0: Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. and want to give a very warm welcome to Jason Berkowitz of Break the Web, who's joining us to discuss his over 10 years of experience working in digital marketing. Jason is the founder and SEO director of Break the Web, a boutique inbound marketing agency based out of New York City. While the foundation of Break the Web starts with SEO, Jason has grown their core service offering to handle a variety of inbound marketing verticals. Today, we're going to talk about SEO best practices, including general red flags, things to watch out for with some agencies who practice SEO and may be still executing old school SEO practices and how to recover from a bad SEO campaign. We'll learn what has worked from Jason's experience, but maybe could be avoided if you're doing this yourself and where other brands are missing the mark. Jason, Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I am super excited to have you on today, Jason. (laughs) I cannot tell you. I think SEO is fascinating. It is the thing that makes your website tick, your digital content tick. And without it, even if you produce awesome content, no one gets to see it. So really looking forward to learning more about some best practices that you suggest, and want to get uh, started off by having you tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got started in this field, and what led you to where you 're at today
1: yeah, absolutely. so I am new york city based as well as the primary hub of our agency, and it started when I was like many other business owners trying to get that digital awareness online. I was lacking the digital awareness, so I was looking for oh how to rank on Google, how to get more visibility on Google. And I kind of fell into SEO by accident. I ranked our website for our previous business. At the top, it was a personal training company. So we were able to rank for personal training NYC, which is super competitive at the time. And kind of a paradigm shift took place. And I became more obsessed with SEO than I was about fitness. I still like fitness uh, on a personal side. But yeah, just the way SEO works, kind of uh, trying to debug and reverse engineer what was working in the search engines really kind of. mystified me and got me really into it and started freelancing on the side. And before you know it, uh, over the course of a couple of years, when you start delegating tasks, you don't even realize you have kind of a mini agency and it kind of took a natural growth from there.
0: That's awesome. So can you give people, I mean, everyone might have an idea. Everyone's heard of SEO, but what is SEO? Like at its essence.
1: SEO. I don't want to use the word like gaming, because that's just very taboo. But essentially, the way I see SEO is sending your website metrics that Google sees as being relevant, trustworthy, and authoritative. Of course, having relevancy on your website is the starting point. But essentially, it's continuously sending trust metrics to Google so they see you as being the optimal search result for a specific query.
0: And Google has a few tricks up their sleeve, however, with SEO, because they keep changing the game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: 2012 was a fun year. Uh, 2012 kind of, uh, 2011, 2012, arena kind of shifted the way the industry executed on SEO strategies where we were able to get awesome results for some crazy competitive terms at the click of a button. It was super easy. And even SEO campaigns for businesses were just super cheap because it was all push button automation through platforms. And then they fought spam. They fought these, companies that are really trying to take advantage of them, and it kind of really shifted the the industry as a whole. And now it's continuously evolving. I think we all have a pretty good idea of what Google wants to be and what they're looking for in the long run, so it allows you to hone in on your practices nowadays, which is beneficial. But yeah, um, things are constantly changing and evolving.
0: So one of the things that, you know, the terms that pop up and have popped up over the years that get referred to are white hat and black hat practices right can you explain those a little bit more
1: yeah uh it's definitely a touchy subject and i'll I'll say this is my point of view at the end of the day there there's i think there's only one classification of hat aside from black hat and by black hat i mean going to the efforts of hacking your website to game a system that's the only time i'll consider black hat black hat if you're intentionally trying to do something for the purpose of increasing your search positions technically, and if you're not going out of the realm of, of just building great content, as Google says, they say, oh, you've just had to build great content, and then people will find it, and people will link to it. Uh, sometimes it doesn't always work like that. So if you go out of that initial standard, technically you're out of white hat. I have air quotes right now. Uh, so there really is no classification of hats. It all comes down to, I think, uh, the type of link building you might be doing if you are doing it, a link building campaign, mm-hmm. if you're doing what appears natural what is natural, what mimics the natural approach a website might get links, or if you're spamming. And then again, on that other side is what could be black hat. If you're hacking into websites and placing links and, and cloaking and a bunch of other technical mumbo jumbo, then yeah, that can probably fall under black hat. I personally don't really classify with hats, uh, probably white hat, gray hat, if I would pick one.
0: Okay. And back in the day, people used to like literally type in words because it was like, okay, if you type in words enough times um, for whatever the keyword is that you have, and then you turn your lettering white and you're on a white background mm-hmm. and you hide it and you're set buried at the bottom, and it's the size like one point as far as font, that would be considered something that would be kind of a black hat.
1: Yeah. So to touch and get a little bit technical here, a lot of the black hat networks and strategies that exist are doing what I was mentioning about hacking and the way these will work well is because they will hack into everyday websites and then just go on the footer and just throw a bunch of text links right in the footer that blend in with the background. So while that is black black hat, surprisingly from what I understand, it still works, which is never a good thing, but yeah, it's, it's spam. It's black hat. It's kind of misleading. Again, Google's really big on focusing on the end user and what value is the user going to get if they just see like, oh, a white text with white background? They're probably not going to see it.
0: Right. And the whole idea is that uh, Google gives higher authority to websites that have more links from outside sources. That's the idea behind that, right?
1: Yeah. It's kind of like mimicking the real world word of mouth, you know, like, hey, I'm looking for a plumber. Do you know a plumber? John says, yeah, use ABC plumbing. They're kind of John's going to like ABC Plumbing because they're coming from your recommendation. And that's how Google sees it. So if someone's willing to link to you, it's kind of like they're willing to put their reputation on the line to refer someone to a third-party website. And that's the trust metrics that get passed from one website to another. Now, if that origin website is super relevant to yours, then you gonna get a lot of relevancy being passed as well and just a lot of good SEO value.
0: So really, as an SEO expert and as an agency practitioner, one of the things that you almost do, you're almost basically a PR agency for company's <laughs> websites.
1: It's funny because we also do PR and we we say we do SEO, PR style SEO and PR oh. style link building, because we have a PR girl that works with us on our team and she's that's only what she knows is PR, but she has a little bit of an SEO knowledge where she can work in links as well, naturally. And even with a PR campaign, I know a lot of PR companies don't 100% focus on that link. They just want that mention and traffic and brand visibility. But if you can get that link too, even if it is just a branded link, they'll do really well on a good publication.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting, because we do a lot of PR for our own agency is when you give interviews to uh Media outlets and and, uh, reporters, even if they don't publish on the first time that link, so often they are so nice if you just kindly request, if they'll go back and they'll update the article and include your company's link in there, backlink to it, and it's so much more powerful. It like makes the whole thing worthwhile, more worthwhile.
1: Yeah, we actually do that for companies that are already established and have engaged in like big PR campaigns. Mm-hmm. We'll do those. We'll, we'll reach out to them, the publications, the editors on their behalf, if they don't have a current relationship and say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, very simply, yeah, I know you're linking to our company. I think it might be valuable for the users to quickly find us by having a link. You know, again, there's many different angles you can go about that approach. I'm sure you can probably speak on that better than we can. But yeah, just some, simply saying, hey, do you mind if uh, make it easy for the readers to link yeah. out to us and yeah. hopefully they'll say yes.
0: So when we were talking earlier and when I was reading your bio, one of the things that you were going to talk about today with us is one of my favorite topics of marketing mistakes, because that's what this podcast is named after, and how to avoid them. Can you share some of the general mistakes often made with SEO?
1: I can speak to one that happened last week. And it's something so simple that most people forget. It. And it's not specific to SEO, but... Uh, I think it comes down to web development. So we had a new client that just had a brand new website uh, developed and built and migrated over. And then everything started tanking. And when they reached out to us saying, hey, we need you to debug this quickly, it was simply they removed the what's called the no index tag from the source code. So it basically said to Google bots and all the search and crawlers do not crawl this website. It's called a no index tag that was still placed on the website. And simply, Google, every time they tried to visit the website, was kind of pushed away. Right. And it's something as simple as removing one little line of code. We do this in the development stage. So Google doesn't crawl a staging website and a mm-hmm. website under development. But when you migrate the website over to the live domain, that code would typically need to be removed. Sure. And it's something so simple. And we've actually, <laughs> since then, we've made that our, into our standard operating procedures to check for that no index code. Uh, To ensure that, yeah, of course, it's very simple, but it should be removed. So that's one of them. And then with SEO is, like you said, you know, people are still following a lot of old school information in regards to what used to work and thinking that it still might work today and going on that. There's a lot of free information out there online. Problem is you don't really know what's accurate and what's not. So that's a big mistake that a lot of people, when they're trying to do SEO or get started with SEO, they uh, read Joe Schmo's blog. Okay,
0: that's fair enough. I will tell you one of my favorite ways that we ended up getting first page ranking pretty much on any keyword that we were looking for was something that no longer exists and I'm really sad about it. And it's Google Plus where, Uh right? I mean, it was this fantastic magic sauce, hidden trick that we created a Google Plus page. We never expected anyone to ever go to it. And we would post all of the content we wrote to it and Google would automatically give it higher authority because it was on Google Plus, their own platform. And so it would like spin it up, put it on the first page. You'd have like this little, little like bold statement, all of these things. That's gone as of it, Google Plus has gone away.
1: I think like in two days. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, like, two days. it's like,
0: I have had to admit defeat. It no longer works at all. Plus they rolled that little part back. So they stopped doing it about a year ago. But what are some of the tricks that, are just SEO that people can use to accomplish success?
1: Essentially. Yeah. Content is king. Content is probably the number one thing after content is just going out and doing outreach, kind of like you would with PR, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get the word out. If you, if someone is linking to one of your competitors, for example, in a piece and you can reverse engineer your competitors. Um, I like can name drop a software, hfs.com hrefs.com com. Um, and if they're linking to a competitor, saying, simply emailing them and saying, hey, oh, I, ha- I have this great piece also that might be of value to your readers. Do you think it would be worth it to have it added to your piece on this? Or simply doing uh, self-PR, you know, reaching out to blogs and saying, hey, are you looking for guest contributors? Uh, there's a lot of good blogs that are good for starting points with PR and trying to PR your own business. And saying, hey, um, I'm willing to write a topic on this. Do you approve? I would love to contribute to your blogs. Let's, those are good starting points, especially to get some good links. And Google will also have an entity created for your brand and your name. So even if you don't directly have that link, or if you have a link in your footer bio uh, about your post, then it would still have value.
0: So you're really saying that what your agency does is a lot of times, like we mentioned before, very PR driven. You're going out, you're looking at ways to position the website for the company. So, that they're getting more pickup on other digital platforms?
1: Yeah, that's what typically takes place on an ongoing monthly basis. Mm-hmm. Of course, it all starts with the website itself, mm-hmm. making sure that the website is pretty much giving clarity as to what the thematic relevancy is. Okay. Making it easy for Google to understand uh, if you're a local business, uh, what areas you serve, who you serve, um, what you do what is your service offering if you're national what products you might sell so it all starts with making that on page seo aspects exactly where it needs to be in a natural way and then yeah on a monthly basis essentially getting the word out telling google that these pages are relevant because they're linked to from this other relevant page Mm -hmm. and again it all comes down to doing what what would appear natural and what would make sense and not crossing those boundaries of what could be air quotes uh, black hat essentially Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: And so does that also include um, companies who write blogs and making sure that they are um, using the right long tail keywords and phrases so that Google picks those up?
1: Yeah. With blogging, here's my take on it. And this is another one of those controversial topics mm-hmm. in our industry. I would say for A, yes, to have blogs focused on different other type of keywords, but only if it makes sense for your business to have blocks. If you're writing just for the purpose of trying to throw content out there because you think that's what, that's what Google wants, you're probably wasting your time. If it's a marketing blog, for example, that has a good readership, then yeah, it makes sense to continue to publish because you might get more links back to your website, social engagements, and your readers are actively looking on your website for new content. If you're a local plumber, what value does uh, one new blog post a week bring to your readers? They just want your phone number to be honest. They just, they're just going to read your phone number, look at your reviews, look at maybe your about us page, and that's all they want to know. So only if it's relevant. Now, also with long tail keywords, there's something you want to avoid mm-hmm. is that you don't want to create so many pages on your website about one specific topic. That could create what's called keyword cannibalization and essentially make competing pages on your domain. And Google just will simply say, I don't know which one to rank, so we're not gonna rank any of them. And that's actually a big issue that a lot of websites deal with is when they'll create supplemental content for a hub content piece or hub topic. And it doesn't really go anywhere because uh, there's just cannibalization.
0: Okay. And is that why with blogs, there's a practice now to build pillar pages where you are creating a master page and then you're linking all of the content that's relevant to that so that you have kind of a higher domain ranking authority page?
1: Nailed it. Yeah, that that works really well.
0: I've done some reading. (laughs) We really, really try to do this (laughs) with our agency. So, okay. So I'm reading some of the right
1: stuff. Yeah, I think that's wherever you're reading from. Yeah, share. It's a great place to get uh, resource information. It's kind of like this one uh, plug-in on WordPress, Yoast. He likes to call it cornerstone content. So he kind of coined that term with an article piece, cornerstone content. And yeah, it works really well, creating like a hub page and then kind of uh, subtopics to feed back up to that, as long as, again, it's non-competing and it's just uh, thematically relevant from a niche standpoint, maybe.
0: Okay, so if there's a company out there and they've written... 50 articles on one of the service offerings they have and a hundred articles on another one of their service article, you know, offerings that they have and 10 articles on yet another service offering. Each of those would need to have their own page, but how would you choose of the 50 of the hundred of the 10 to include on your pillar page or your content page?
1: So we'll call this a content gap analysis. We do this by going into Google analytics seeing over the course of, you can do uh, 60 days, 90 days, or sometimes if we have bigger sites over the course of a year, Mm -hmm. see which pages got less than 10 visits over the course of that time period. If they got less than 10 visits, overall, again, it could be from search, could be from emails, could be from anything. It's it's a waste of your crawl budget, the amount of time Google is willing to spend on your website, and it probably could be keyword cannibalization. So what you can do is either delete it, combine it with another page, or just improve the content to try to make it better. Those are typically the three go-tos we have when it comes to kind of uh, fixing all these content gaps we might have. So a lot of people, again, it comes down to, we wanna raise our index count, have more pages indexed by Google, have more blog content. But um, if you have a fairly large website, we have that crawl budget, which will just be eaten up by all these crappy pages and low-value pages. Mm -hmm. I think when you want them to really be frequently crawling crawling your pillar pages and your hub pages, yeah, focus on on improving content if it's not competing with another piece. If you have a few pieces that might be competing with each other, just combine them. Combine the content pieces and have a great informative piece of content and then just have all the URLs redirect to that one back, uh, that one new created piece. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And when you're saying to improve the content... Um, besides maybe adding in, you know, adding blogs to blogs to make a single blog from three blogs that were shorter. What else do you mean by that?
1: Making it better. I know it's very hard and it's very ambiguous to say, he's like, yeah, just keep making it better. Keep making it better. But, um, one of the first things you can do is just go to Google. Google is probably the best place to see what they want and just type in your search term see what is ranking on page one of Google, and I'll give you an idea on the type of content that Google wants to display for that search term. Then you can take that and uh, find a, probably find a writer, find a writer that's specific to that industry you're in. If you're the writer yourself and you really know everything there is to know about the industry, um, that may be good and all, but a writer can help you put your thoughts into words, so that might be a good option, and yeah just try to make it better. Look through your competitors, pages that are ranking on Google, see if there's any pieces or informative content that might be missing data, statistics. It's very ambiguous to say just make it better because, in theory, yeah, just make it better. It's, you know, it, it be going to Grammarly, making sure that you got your grammar right, you know, uh, simple things like that, I would say.
0: So, does grammar matter? Does it, if you have misspellings and you have grammar issues, yeah. you, like, is Google like an English teacher and coming after you and being like, you get a C?
1: Google definitely understands uh, semantics and language, uh, linguistics. You could even go, uh, go to Google and type in Google NLP, natural language processing. It's very creepy. But their goal is trying to improve understanding words and context, words and pairings, and how they all kind of formulate a meaning or an idea behind a sentence. Uh, furthermore, if you type in, and I, I do this almost every day, is uh, go to Google and type in synonym for blah, blah, blah. And Google will give me just a giant list of synonyms are relevant so you definitely understand words and you know it's probably not to the extent as a company that's dedicated on grammar like grammarly but if it's easy and technology is where it needs to be that grammarly can do it who's to say google can't do it who's to say google's not paying grammarly (laughs) who knows api access you never know
0: you never know at all or who they're going to buy plus there's like this futuristic ai technology that you are hearing about here and there right now, where ultimately there is going to be the ability for platforms to create your content and write your content without you actually chiming in and doing anything. So it will all be robotically created and optimized without you having a human writing that blog.
1: It's creepy. It's It's creepy.
0: So creepy.
1: Uh, I've done tests with uh, IBM Watson before, and that's creepy. Uh, so from like learning uh, from what they see as word pairings and the syntax and the semantically relevant words, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all creepy.
0: So where does video play into this? Cause we're talking a lot about words right now. So how does, you know, how do videos translate into your content and what do you do about optimizing videos for SEO content?
1: So I think video comes in really well within content pieces because it's rich media that also, first of all, on a very broad, granular level, it breaks up the content. When you first get to a new content piece, you're likely just going to scroll really all the way down to the bottom first to see what you're going to be in for. Mm -hmm. Are you going to just be in for long paragraphs or are you going to be broken up, images, quotes, maybe embedded tweets, whatever it might be, it helps break it up. If you have a video at the top that kind of gives a summary or a recap of that article or that content piece it makes it easy for someone to say i'm not in the mood to read i just rather watch and listen so i think rich media and video definitely has a good hand now hand in hand with seo directly um, that's another ball game youtube is in fact a search engine itself so if you are optimizing a video for the purpose of youtube and if you're lucky to be one of those videos that might appear in google search on page one, then there's definitely something there. You know, try to get the search terms and the keywords in the title, and the descriptions. Uh, take advantage of your own custom uh, captions, your closed captions. Get those keywords in those closed captions. Say that as early as possible within the video, and yeah, just, uh, just make it appear natural and really on topic, and make it really the best video on that topic.
0: Okay, so you just said get your words in closed captions. Mm-hmm. So are you saying to add your transcript to your videos, basically?
1: Yeah, Yeah, Google um, has the option where they can try to auto-detect it Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: it doesn't seem to always work. At least I haven't um, done like real video marketing in probably almost a year, but it wasn't where it was that it wouldn't hit every single word perfectly. Mm -hmm. So by uploading your own transcript, you know that you have transcripts that has your keywords in it and you're talking about those keywords frequently within your video, then yeah, it'll help help google understand what that video is about and you now you can even go to another level by naming the file that gets uploaded to google your primary keyword you know that's actually an old school thing that surprisingly still works today and it is standard best practices with youtube seo and video seo
0: okay so you know i am learning something right now this moment because we don't actually have our full transcripts attached to our podcast right and so Google's not necessarily able to actually see what we're talking about beyond the brief intro that we're putting in there. So we should be actually adding in transcripts yeah. to that.
1: Yeah, it'll help just th- create that. Again, I keep using this word thematic relevancy about the podcast or the page. Yeah. And Google has to rely on the information given to them. If they can't 100% code everything you're saying on a video, then yeah, that. Transcript, if you know and if it's mentioned the transcript of the video, Google will know that here's the exact transcript of what that video is about, and it'll just help them uh, just understand everything.
0: Interesting. Okay, so does this? You know, we're talking Google. We're like Google, Google, Google. Hmm. What about YouTube, which has nothing to do with Google? <laughs> right? right, right. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Google yeah, buys wow. everything. <laughs> but yeah. so, so how does YouTube kind of catalog this? How is it presented differently? Or is it really the same?
1: I actually saw something very interesting on YouTube the other day it was um, it was some big news item that was in the news uh, frequently. And I went to YouTube because I wanted to see a video on it. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw news article snippets right in the YouTube search on my phone. Wow. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I didn't expect that. And I was quite intrigued. I couldn't find anyone to talk about it online, so maybe that they were testing and I happened to be one of those test subjects. But I found a news article directly like on the top of the search results in YouTube. Really? It very, it's it was weird. I was mind blown. It like blended
0: um, the the video experience with a text experience.
1: Yes. Uh, it wasn't full articles, it was just article titles.
0: Okay. Where is it? fall into the good and the bad practices of taking content you have already written and publishing it on other sites like LinkedIn or Medium or even just ripping off what you wrote and giving it to someone else because it's yours, you own it, how can that hurt you or how can that benefit
1: you? I think it'll hurt you if you don't attribute the original source. Okay. So it happens every day in news uh, with, new- with the millions of news publications that are out there is they will syndicate content. Um, nine times out of 10 is they will cite their original source. Especially if they're quoting a specific giant paragraph of text, they very likely would say, according to NBC News, just for example, and cite the original source. So that is best practice. Now, being the original author and somebody steals your content, you really don't have much to worry about. Being the original author, Google's been pretty good at getting that. But if you're the one taking other content and you're not naturally the source, uh, you probably won't get any benefit at all. I don't think it's going to be bad for you. You just won't get any benefit because you're not citing the original source.
0: Okay. On things, on, on outlets like Medium. So Medium is, it allows you basically to write and they share your content and they act as your own blog to their own followers. Uh, they suggest using something can, am I saying it right? Can, Canon canonical not canonical <laughs> canonical is that <laughs> yes, you it? Got I, it right, I, okay, finally. So what is that?
1: So pretty much there's a lot of various purposes for a canonical, which I can go into a much lengthier discussion about. But essentially, this is another piece of code that is read by the search engine uh, bots mm-hmm. to tell them what is the real URL of this page. So for example, medium.com, you have the option to use that canonical and medium.com slash whatever post URL. And in the code, it'll say rel canonicals, rel equals canonical, and the real URL, telling Google does not duplicate content. This is the real source. This is who you should give value to. If we get any links, all that link juice will actually get passed to your site if your site is the one in the canonical. So that's how canonicals work. They could also be used to avoid duplicate content on your website itself. You know, a big one is like in the e-commerce space is that we have faceted navigation, which is you can add filters to categories and colors and sizes and all that, and it will change the long form URL, like question mark equals all these weird parameters. And to avoid duplicate content issues, actually, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Got one. Actually, actually having your rel canonical point back to the main category page is what's most valuable.
0: Okay, so that makes sense. And so is that important to use? Is that something that, people really need to kind of become better versed in on how to use canonicals in their writing and blogs and sharing?
1: If you're using a regular CMS like WordPress or one that's built up by default, typically they will have the rel canonical in there in which it's a self-canonical and that it says this is the canonical, but this is also the same URL. Perfect. If you are duplicating content on your website, if you are, again, maybe stages of the funnel or whatever it might be, if you're duplicating content, if you're attributing like Medium does, where they most of their content is user-generated content from other people's blog, then that's where it comes to be beneficial for them, and where Medium won't take a big hit from an SEO platform or an SEO standpoint because they're not giving some bad juju, essentially.
0: And is Medium, you know, are platforms like Medium beneficial to companies? I mean, is, it, is there a point to repurpose your content in other places? Because basically what they're doing is they're trying to serve you up to their audience,
1: Right. From, yeah, from a direct SEO standpoint, uh, probably not. Okay. But from a branding messaging standpoint, it actually works really well. And um, I've been into Medium maybe more sort of the last six to seven months. I was I heard about it for many years and I wasn't too involved, but it's actually a really big following on Medium and people that that give the the claps mm-hmm. and sharing Medium posts. And Medium posts can actually rank very well themselves in Google search if. That Medium post is just uh, not taken from another website, and it's unique and original on Medium. They actually do rank really well.
0: Okay. And then what about LinkedIn? Because LinkedIn has been trying to build themselves up as, we are a content platform. Make your videos. Make your blogs. Use us. How does that fall into it?
1: I think it would probably be along the same lines is you can use, I think it's the LinkedIn Pulse. I actually, I'm really bad with social media, like from a personal standpoint, I have all these profiles and I know that I need to be doing it and I don't nearly do it as much as I should, but I know LinkedIn Pulse, for example, you can post um, original content on LinkedIn, which has the potential to rank as well. Mm -hmm. I'm not too familiar if LinkedIn gives you the option to change canonicals. Mm -hmm. uh, If you do syndicate your content on their platform, I'm not too sure about that, but I know that uh, from a business standpoint, maybe B2B, that's where the place is and that's where your consumers probably are, are on LinkedIn. So to get having your content where people are.
0: Okay. Are there any other sources that you can think that might be valuable for people to know about where they should look besides the media and besides the LinkedIn that just come top to mind? Or are those the two top ones right now?
1: Yeah, I think from a social media platform standpoint, those are probably the big ones. Facebook, of course. Uh, Google Plus has been out since like 2014. But uh, yeah, those are probably the big ones. You know, there's probably also private social media companies for specific industries Mm -hmm. that I might not be aware of. uh, We all might not be aware of. So it's about, like I said, trying to be where your consumers are. If your consumers and your audience is going to be on Medium. If they're going to be on LinkedIn, if they're marketing directors or business associates or wherever it might be, post to post to LinkedIn, get the message out there, build up your following on LinkedIn.
0: Okay. What are some more things that our listeners should be watching out for, which might be mistakes or not great SEO practices?
1: Yeah, there's just like so many. I was like, oh no, <laughs> what, what am I going to say right now? But then I just have like an internal portfolio, I guess, of to talk about you know, I know we talked a lot about links, so I think diving back into the website itself might be a good starting point, mm-hmm. you know, is like you said, not black hat with the text being like transparent with the background, but just over-optimization. Okay. Does it make sense for, um, I know for a lot of local businesses out here in New York City, they just are severely over-optimized because personal injury lawyer NYC, if you're looking for the best personal injury lawyer NYC has to offer our NYC personal injury lawyers, you know, that just doesn't make sense. Right. And like, kind of falls back into what we spoke about grammar is make the page the content on your page awesome make it natural yeah throw in personal injury lawyer nyc um, in nyc make just have it make sense don't overdo it if it makes sense to have it there then yeah try not to over optimize and surprisingly i still see and i think you mentioned this earlier is people are still bolting their keywords on content pieces and that's super old it doesn't make sense it's super ugly to see too Mm -hmm. And when I, maybe it's because I'm SEO aware, when I see that, I automatically hit the back button. I was like, you don't even deserve my engagement on this page. Um, Yeah, just trying to keep things natural, make that thematic relevancy nice and clean and provide that great user experience.
0: Okay. And one of the topics we wanted to talk about today is how can listeners know? how to choose the right SEO agency for them. Besides, of course, working with Breakthrough Web, right? Besides your company.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah,
0: right? But I mean, I know we get slammed on a daily basis, right? 10, 15 plus. I looked at your website and I think we can help you optimize and blah, 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 blah. And most of them actually are coming from overseas very often. It's a big blast, but sometimes not as well. So there's a lot of lead gen, because you know, SEO people like lead gen, that's good, they've figured it out. But how can someone know who's the real deal, who's not the real deal, what should they be looking for in an SEO agency to know if it's going to be an actual good fit for them and a good experience?
1: One thing I like to say is, there's many different things you can say, but one of them is, if it's too good to be true, probably is. One of the biggest things with these cold spam emails from overseas is like, we promise you, we guarantee you $99 a month. That probably seems a little bit too good to be true. I actually recorded a video a couple of months ago on SEO guarantees. I haven't really done much of my own practice where you preach on it, but uh, I have a video dedicated on SEO guarantees and why it's a sham and why people should avoid it. Um, proof is in the numbers. If they have case studies, um, you know, everyone could take logos and just place them on their website, but only a only certain amount of people can actually have, actually have screenshots from Google analytics, mm-hmm. have screenshots from the deep inner workings of the strategies that were executed on. So, Case studies, case studies, testimonials. Um, it's a very cutthroat industry, the SEO agency industry, very cutthroat. And people, unfortunately, do go the mistake of trying to fake it until they make it. And maybe there's some goodness to that. You know, you got to start somewhere. But, you know, if you're willing to, if you want to do things the right way, and you want to invest in a company that is going to give you that long-term results and not have any issues, A, make sure they're fully transparent in what they do understand what type of execution strategy they're doing. What's going to be involved? What is communication like? How many keywords are we targeting? If they say, okay, we'll do your SEO campaign for $2,000 a month and target 100 keywords, wait, what? (laughs) You know, that doesn't really make sense. If these keywords are not relevant, like 100%, like with or without in NYC, for example, it's going to be very hard and very unrealistic. And also just be mindful of expectations. You know, SEO is not a cheap marketing vertical as it used to be. And just because, at least in our agency, we've switched since 2012, making things what was platform to having things a bit more manual. To be frank, because we're all business people here, hours need to be allocated, Mm -hmm. and more man hours need to be put into SEO execution and SEO strategy. And there's a lot of that happens behind the scenes. So yeah, Mm -hmm. make sure they have proof, proof on what they say. Uh, If somebody gives you a weird feeling, go with it, and maybe inquire further from somebody else. You know, call me up. And say, or some will saying, hey, Jason, we're speaking with this, this SEO company. They're saying this. Uh, would that be a good option? I'm not going to try to steal business, but I'm happy to help if somebody has a question like that, just because it is very cutthroat. And if also, if they're willing to keep you on a long-term contract and not give you any flexibility, like a year, I would be wary of that, too. You know, They want to guarantee revenue over the course of a year. Right.
0: Yeah, okay. Like, so you're saying not a long-term contract Are you, are you saying, you're saying shy away? From that
1: time? <laughs> I'm well, saying don't I'm hire like, an wait, SEO wait. company. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I'm like, no hiring of any SEO company. I'm kidding. But so realistically, you know what, how long do you need to give an SEO company some time? Because, Google is it it while they're going through your content all the time there it takes some while to actually update some things it's not like every single second it's updating so if someone is working with you or they're doing some initiatives themselves or another agency or whomever, yeah. how long do they need to give it to see if it's actually working
1: so given that they have A healthy online presence and by healthy can be page six. There's nothing wrong with that. Given that they're not heavily penalized and have a bad rep with Google, then we tell our clients that they will start seeing some great noticeable improvements within three months. Now that could be broad. Again, three months and noticeable improvements could be from page six to page three or four. Yeah, but that's on the right track. The average SEO campaign, a lot of it depends on the complexities within the campaign as well as the competition. So the closer you are to the first page, the closer you are to the top five, and the closer you are to number one, makes the competitive level a whole nother Mm ballgame. And to get to number one, you're really going at the top dogs. So uh, it does take time. And SEO, you know, we say on a broad, broad level, depending on the complexity of a campaign, if we don't, haven't gone to the specifics of the strategy, Mm -hmm. eight to 12 months. You know, we've even given um, SEO proposals that said you need to prepare for a two-year campaign. Mm-hmm. because there's no way you're going to hit it for these targets in this time frame, And, you know, let's be realistic here. You know, that's what we tell our clients. Like, we want to make sure that your expectations are met and we have to deliver because your success is dependent on uh, our success, is dependent on your success. Sure. So yeah, it's it's a tough ballgame to get those estimations and how long it might take to get results, but you should see something within a few months, uh, some good positive movements, things on the right track. Google actually has a video in which they tell you how to hire an SEO and I don't believe everything that they say there truthfully, but they do have one good point in which they say that you should prepare for a twelve month campaign when you engage in a new SEO firm so, okay at least they set the standard, and they, they set those expectations
0: well and they're supporting those that actually matter to Google because they want the best content, they want the most optimization and they obviously recognize that some people need, okay, not some people, so everyone needs a little bit of help sometimes.
1: Actually, as of now, Google Cloud Service is looking for an SEO manager. And this Look service, at
0: that. Yeah. Because yeah. Google needs to be more top of mind and more <laughs> top of tongue and more word of mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah. They can't just say, okay, we're going to make ourselves number one automatically. Right. Um, I don't think legally they can do that. Uh, but yeah, uh, they themselves look for SEO specialists in their different departments and their different platforms, uh, 100%. So. Where do you think the future of all of this is going? It looks like Google right now is getting to where I think the original goal of search engines were uh, to be just to give an answer to a question someone might have. You know, For non-bottom-of-the-funnel like, like type searches where like need to buy whatever for cheap, Essentially, it's just having the information right there and then, and Google is going to be continuously making more use of their feature snippets and their knowledge boxes. So if you type in, for example, how old is Tom Cruise, you will see the answer right there. And Google doesn't have to run the risk of, A, somebody going off of google.com because they want to keep people on their platform as much as possible, and also running that risk of not having to send somebody to a third-party possible crappy spammy site that'll give a bad experience. So I think Google is going to be making those feature snippets more prevalent and. You, know, you can optimize for those feature snippets by having your organic search positioning probably within the top five. It's very unlikely you'll see a website that has that, uh, that feature snippet, that quick two sentences of text that is not in the top five. Uh, but yeah, that's probably what we see is just becoming more and more relevant.
0: Plus, down the line... Google is going to be all voice, right? So we're, we're not going to be that. typing that you
1: mean, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I get to ask this question quite frequently, and I always say voice. I'm like, let me switch it up. So they are tied in 100%. Okay. I think you were kind of going into this before I started like getting all extra questions. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're going to be taking their voice answers from that feature snippet.
0: Yeah. And then, I mean, there's even talk that it's not, many years down the line. I mean, this is in short term, we're gonna get computers that don't have keyboards where we're literally, that's what they're talking about. The technology is going to move in where we're not typing, where everything is being voiced and coming back and forth with that, where the input's voice and the output is voice, which is gonna be a whole (laughs) new level of learning for everyone.
1: I hope it's sooner than than later because I was trying to do the voice to text with Apple and Mac (laughs) and it was really bad. This was like two days ago. I'm not even joking. It just didn't work right. Uh, So I'm excited for that.
0: See, Uh, and I like actually writing helps me, I think, streamline my thought process. So I can't even, and I am long-winded when I type. So I can't uh, even imagine how (laughs) long-winded I will end up having emails be if I'm just chatting about it. Yeah. Well, today has been fantastic. And is there any additional information that you want to give our listeners as well as let them know how they can contact you?
1: Absolutely. So, again, um, a lot of what I said earlier kind of has to get recapped and said over and over again. Just be careful where you're hearing information from in regards to SEO. If you're looking to hire an SEO company, just make sure you hit them with the nitty gritty details about some of the numbers that they might be showing in a case study or their execution strategy. What are you doing on a month to month basis? Are you just signing me up for directories? I heard that was so 2007 or are you actually going out and doing outreach to publications in the hopes of trying to get some links back to us? Mm-hmm. And what are you going to do for our website? You're just going to leave our website the way it is and go on to just off page SEO and links. So doing due diligence and taking that extra step to properly vet the SEO company is the big one and if you decide that you want to properly vet my seo company you can find us at breaktheweb.agency or shoot me an email at jason at breaktheweb.org
0: well, Jason that is fantastic I want to thank Jason again for putting and sharing in I can't even talk I want to thank Jason again for sharing today all of his valuable advice I know I and our listeners really have gotten a tremendous value out of it so thank you and tune in to our next podcast where we'll be deep diving into more marketing mistakes and how you should avoid them
1: thank you so much Stacy
0: thank you Jason